0: Do you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Halfway through the New Testament. Somehow you knew we are talking about the gifts this morning. How did you know? <laughs> Was it prophetic? Yeah. Word of knowledge. Well, yeah, we've already seen some of the gifts evident this morning. Spirit-inspired gifts, both natural and supernatural. We'll be looking at those... In a minute, let me just pray. Lord, thank you once again that you've spoken to us this morning. You're alive and well and reigning still over all things that will never change. We give you the glory as the King, as the Saviour, as the answer to all things in this life and beyond. And Lord, as we learn more about what you have prepared for us, your people here on this planet, and for those who are yet to know you, Lord, may you speak to each one of us in whatever way each of us as individuals need to hear. May none of us leave this place unchanged, unaffected, unprovoked, unchallenged, indifferent. Lord, each of us need to hear from you as always. So Lord, we give it up to you. Holy Spirit, work through us, we pray. In your name. Amen. Amen. What's our purpose statement here at Beacon Church? You haven't heard that for a while, have you? None of this n- 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 blah, blah blah. Come on, properly. Jesus way. Joe's reading it off the bulletin. Well done. Good girl. <laughs> Living life Jesus' way by his Spirit on his mission for his glory. Again, that's what we're looking at at the moment. We're looking at the Holy Spirit, the person of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this month in January, is spending some time to really focus on who the Holy Spirit is as well as what he does. He is a person. John's already explained to us He is the promise fulfilled. Many thousands of years before, he was always promised he would come in great, stunning, miraculous ways, and he's already done that, and he's still doing that. He seals our salvation, he transforms us from one degree of glory to another in terms of character, what's going on in the inside that David spoke on last week about the fruit of the Spirit. It's about character before gifting, which is why we've spoken in this order. We could have spoken about gifts last week and fruit this week, but we felt it was important to reinforce the fact what's inside is more important than what you are able to do. Because what you are inside fuels how you do it. It's about having your heart in the right place before God. But also, yes, the Holy Spirit works through us in terms of the gifts he gives us. Both, they're all supernatural. They can be considered, some are supernatural, some are natural gifts. But they are all fueled by the Holy Spirit. So in that sense, they're all supernatural. And that's why we have that purpose statement. Living life Jesus' way, by his Spirit, on his mission for his glory. Without the Holy Spirit in the mix, so to speak, we're at a loss straight away, aren't we? This is about the invisible world breaking into the visible. It's been going on for 2,000 years. As a party that's been happening on this planet for 2,000 years as the church has come alive and grown and grown and faced its stumbling blocks but has continued to be built because he promised he would build his church. Life doesn't always feel like a party. But true rest, true joy, true celebration, true security, true peace will never be found outside of Christ. And that's where the party is and we're invited in. And the Holy Spirit helps us as his church is built. So we're going to look at the gifts today. Uh, We're going to answer some few questions about them. This isn't going to be an exhaustive lecture. The danger of this is you can look at all the gifts, talk about what they are and how they work. That's not what we're here for this morning. If you've still got questions, you can come and find me. I'm happy to meet you up and chat them through. Next Sunday evening, as you know, we're making space to receive more of him, to see more of this happening. We can do it afterwards, I'm happy to pray with you afterwards, but next, evening, next Sunday evening we're making more of a point of making space so we can receive from him, seek after him. It's a good thing to do. Spiritual gifts. This is all about a diverse people who are united in the same Holy Spirit, all able to do different things, some overlap. But between us, we see all the gifts evident we should do. But united in the ho- same Holy Spirit on the same mission. This is about the invisible breaking in to the visible. And the Apostle Paul is the one guy who speaks about them in detail. He talks about them over three letters in the New Testament. He talks to the Church in Rome and the letter, uh, uh, Book of Romans. He talks in this letter, Corinthians, to the Church in Corinth. He also talks about the gifts in the Book of Ephesians to the Church in Ephesus at the time. These lists are representative, they're not exhaustive. Just because you think something might be a gift and you can't see it in the lists doesn't mean it isn't. Some of these lists where, where he compares the, uh, the gifts, they overlap a bit. It proves the point. This is not an exhaustive thing. These are just representative of what's available in the Holy Spirit. A gift of the Spirit, a spiritual gift, is, it's the best way to describe it, it's any ability, any ability, empowered by the Holy Spirit for the benefit of the Church and I'd add for those around us as well. Some are natural, some are supernatural, like I say, but actually they're all supernatural because they're all empowered by the Holy Spirit. But Paul here, we're going to look at one list in particular, and I'll draw the others in in a little while. But when Paul writes to the church in Corinth, there is some abuse of some of the gifts going on here. Some of them are really big up stuff like tongues, in a very unhelpful way. And as a result, some others, and it's not a big church, they're not much different to our size really at the time. And some in the church, in response to that, over abuse of some of the gifts, we're rejecting them and kind of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And Paul wanted to redress the imbalance, which is why at one part of his letter he comes to this subject. So let's have a little look. Uh, right at the beginning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read a few verses, stop and start, and so on. I'll break it down as we work our way through. Let's start from verse 1. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, before you became Christians, you were somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. He's simply saying, use common sense here. Someone says, Jesus be cursed. It's not the Holy Spirit, is it? And if someone is genuinely saying Jesus is Lord, without mocking or sneering, obviously, you've got to trust that the Holy Spirit's behind that. People don't say that willy-nilly. He's just saying, use your common sense. Verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, I love this, but the same Spirit. See what he's doing here? There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. He's referring to Jesus there. There are different kinds of working, but the same God, referring to the Father, works all of them, in all men he's referring to the Trinity here he's showing there's a diversity in the Trinity Father, Son and Holy Spirit and they are completely perfectly united and as much as we see different gifts in the church and we're all different people in the church we should be diverse but united so to read that again there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit there are different kinds of service but the same Jesus there are different kinds of working but the same Father works all of them in all men so it proves it's not about us we can seek to be big and clever with our extra special gift. But it's not about you. It's about him. Verse 4. Who is the source of these gifts? The Spirit. Verse 5. Who gives us the sphere in which they operate? And verse 6. Who gives us the energy to do that? God the Father. It's all about God, isn't it? I love that. Just the Trinity evident there is just amazing. So here we go, verse 7 onwards, he starts to list them. And I will, I'm going to skim through some, I'm going to take my time on others, but for the sake of brevity we need to be careful. But I don't want to miss out explaining what what he's talking about here. There's actually, if you put all the lists together, there's probably 22 or more gifts get mentioned across the Bible. But again, it's not exhaustive, it's just a representative list. But they are all rooted in the same spirit. So here we go, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's not just about you, it's about all of us. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Let's stop there for a sec. Are we all expected to be wise or stupid? Wisdom, in some degree, is expected of all of us. What does Proverbs chapter 1, Psalm 111, they both say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. We all expect to apply... A true fear, true understanding of who he is, is the beginning of wisdom. We're all expected to be wise in varying degrees. Paul's saying here there is actually also a specific gift of wisdom. It's one thing to have lots of knowledge. It's another thing to know how to apply it well. And some people are particularly gifted that way, which is why he mentions it here. What's the next one? Verse 8, to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. He keeps saying it's the same spirit, same spirit, same spirit. The word of knowledge. This is simply God-given truth you couldn't have known otherwise. Sometimes people feel they have... I mean, David felt someone here had a song. It's a word of knowledge. Sometimes you can feel... Some people feel a pain in their shoulder thats they know it's not them, they haven't injured themselves, haven't strained it during a worship time and thinking, actually, God's telling me someone here's got a shoulder that needs praying for. And that often leads to healing as well. Words of knowledge, something you wouldn't have known otherwise. What's the next one? another faith by the same spirit. Are we all meant to have faith? Of course we are. We're all saved by faith. Faith is simply trust. This whole world is about seeing in order to believe. Faith is about believing and then you see. Trusting our great big God. We're all expected to have faith to varying degrees. But some people have a real gift of faith, they have a greater faith to press into a certain circumstance, a certain dilemma, a certain obstacle, a certain situation, a real faith to, no, 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 God's in this and I'm going to press in and after a while the Holy Spirit lets other people fall into their slipstream and they get swept along with it. Other people, more than others, sometimes have a particular spirit-empowered gift of faith. We're all expected to have faith but sometimes there is something significant that the Holy Spirit gives people, which is why it gets mentioned here. What's the next one? To another gift of healing by that one spirit. Are we, should we all be able to see healing through us? Yes. Some people have a particular gift of that. Doesn't mean the rest of us aren't able to pray for people, have the same expectancy on the same great big father to heal people. But some people, Maxine, who saw the x-rays of Maxine's healed wrist? Amazing. No, one, no special great healer came along and laid hands on her. It's just the power of prayer of God's people, with her friends. But sometimes other people see huge great fruit in their lives because they, for some reason, they pray for people, people get healed more often than with others. It's just something the Holy Spirit fuels in people. What's the next one? Verse 10. To another, miraculous powers. <clears throat> Isn't healing miraculous powers? Well, what's he talking about? Why is he listed that differently? Of course healing is a miracle. But there are other things as well. Casting out demons, raising of the dead. Still believe that happens. John Peepee is a member of our family of churches in Ghana. 2008, I think it was. He was, uh, he was watching telly and hearing about some outpouring in America and was just quite disturbed by the testimonies he was hearing. Phone went, lady in his church. I think my husband's dead. He's just, he's collapsed, He's not responding. I can't, I don't think he's breathing. What shall I do? They don't have quite the same 999 system as we have over here. He went round there, couldn't find a, he said, I'm not a doctor, but I couldn't find a pulse. He wasn't breathing. There was just nothing from the guy. I didn't know what to do. But what I'd just been hearing before that phone call went, those testimonies, just stirred me just to pray for him. And after a while, I just started twitching. And then he started breathing. And back to life. He said, I'm not a doctor. I can't say he was dead. But as far as I'm concerned, that's what happened and a lot of us actually, he's a trustworthy guy, wouldn't make it up. So we can't say categorically, but I think it's quite likely. I believe it still happens today. The same Holy Spirit is at work today. When we had our men's breakfast, Gary Moore, the guy who spoke to a friend from City Church, some of the stories in his life, they're more than miraculous. <laughs> Incredible. Miraculous powers. Sometimes people have a particular gift for that more than others of us. What's next in Verse 10. To another prophecy. Should we all be able to prophesy? Yes. Some people, particularly, have the gift of prophecy, and I'll talk about it in a minute. Some people are particularly prophets, which is something else yet again. I'll speak to that in a minute. But what is prophecy? Prophecy is simply revelation from God. We've been hearing some of it this morning, prophetic, and Fred shared. That I'll mention again at the end but fanning into flame. You felt God revealed a message for us as his people right now through Fred. Prophecy should never supersede scripture. If it does, it's not prophecy. This is Holy, Holy Spirit inspired scripture. The Holy Spirit not going to contradict himself, is he? Revelation, uh, revelation, prophecy should never add to scripture either. It should uphold it and it should be upheld by it. It should always be in tandem. So next one, to another, distinguishing between spirits, also known as discernment. This is slightly different to wisdom. This is actually discerning the spiritual or the natural fleshly aspect of a situation or what's going on in someone's life. It's just being able to see behind the scenes in a spiritual way and understand. It's not looking for the devil in un- under every rock. But actually sometimes it's the opposite of that, going actually, some people will think the devil's at work here, but it's just the person's being an idiot. But it's, it's I don't mean that flippantly, but what I mean is, People are able to see behind the scenes more than others to actually discern quite what's going on in that situation. So understanding the spiritual versus the fleshly aspects. What's next? To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. We've heard it this morning from Janet and others. Speaking in tongues is your spirit bypassing the flesh, if you like. Speaking is us to God, praising God directly from our Holy Spirit. It's usually a heavenly tongue. It doesn't have to be usually it's some form of heavenly dialect, and I'd love to know if it's got a name for that kind of dialect. I don't know. Different types, aren't they? They all sound different. But my mum and dad's church, they don't go out their way seeking the gift of tongues, believe me, but at one meeting, someone spoke out in a tongue, and they're like, what is it? What's going on? They weren't used to it, really. But afterwards, a lady came up to them, a visitor, who said, I've been serving as a missionary in Africa, and that dialect is a very rare dialect in a tribe that I work with. So sometimes it's an earthly tongue as well. It's not always heavenly, but more often than not it is. Tongues can get abused, which is why Paul was speaking to the church in Corinth here. Some people were bigging it up here. And Jenny and I in a previous church have experienced where tongues can be seen as a sign of maturity. It's a stepping stone to being a greater, bigger Christian. That's wrong. That's not right. We should all seek tongues. Just because you don't get it doesn't mean you're not a mature Christian. And that can bring disunity in the church. That's wrong. That's not right at all. Is speaking in tongues necessary to prove I have the Holy Spirit? No, absolutely, but absolutely not. But we should seek it. In fact, Paul, in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 5, he says, "Would that you all could speak in tongues." It's good to seek it. I love speaking in tongues. It, it's, your spirit just rises as you speak. As I just, even when I'm not in the best of moods, I just start speaking in tongues, I almost feel like my chest just like expanding. It's just like yes. He's amazing. It just it's just literally my spirit bypassing this bit, or this bit, more importantly, the brain. And just praising him, giving him glory. The thing to point out, if you don't speak in tongues, the thing that stopped me from speaking in tongues for many years, I kept seeking it, going, please God, give me this gift of tongues, I really want it. Nothing's happening. God, please give me the gift of tongues. I really everybody Jenny's been doing it for years. my go. Problem was I forgot, he doesn't make me move my mouth. I need to speak out. And it wasn't until Chris Smith, pastor at City Church some years ago, he said, Come here a minute. And I went up He said, what do you want prayer for? So I went forward at the end of a service and said, I want to speak in tongues. So okay, I can pray for you. And he like, Go on then. I was like, Well he hasn't come yet. He's like, No, you do it. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues for you, you speak in tongues. So actually what he did, and I'm happy to do it with any of you guys, if, if you want it, for especially next Sunday we've got the time, he just started to speak in tongues slowly and said to me, copy the sounds I'm making. So I did, kia, da, Sho and before I knew it, he'd walked away, Quarter of an hour later, I was still there jabbering away in tongues. Because just, it's just moving your mouth, you speak in tongues, there's something to remember, but we can focus on that next week when we've got the time if necessary. You speak in tongues, not the Holy Spirit. What's the next one on the list? It's not all going to be going through a list this morning, I promise. Next one, this is still important, in tandem with tongues and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. It's one thing to speak in tongues and it does benefit me as an individual. If I speak in tongues, my spirit rises, I just get excited and I can't help praising God because he's amazing because my spirit is like, loving. But I don't always know what I'm saying. And it's not always helpful, particularly in public meetings. We need an interpretation. Because the rest of us can't go, Amen. No idea what that person in the corner said otherwise. So we should be seeking interpretation. It helps us understand. Some people have more of a greater gift than that. I've been seeking the gift of interpretation. Every time I think I've got what it's going to be, I wait and see who else brings the interpretation to bring out something completely different. Oh, obviously didn't have it then. So, I don't know. I've sought it and I'm going to keep seeking it. What Mike Betts, I'll speak about him in a minute, but... Our apostolic guy that we, we relate to in our sphere of, of churches, he even said just recently, he's been seeking interpretation for himself. Because it's, it's not, as much as my spirit rises when I speak in tongues, it would help me even more if I knew what I was saying. And so I'm trying to do that, it's still not coming, but I'm going to keep seeking it. But he's learned over years to actually interpret what he speaks in tongues, because it benefits him even more. Something, something just worth bearing in mind. Without it, unless you've got a degree in heavenly linguistics, I don't think anybody here has. We need the spiritual gift of interpretation, don't we? Skipping through to the next section, just briefly. Uh, towards the end of the chapter, there's just a few more that get listed here, and then I mention some other lists. I'm going to have to speed through a little bit now. But verse 28. Some more gifts, also known as some of them as roles as well. In the church... God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help, help others, those with gifts of administration, and here it he goes again, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. He's mentioned, verse 28, God has appointed first of all the apostles, second prophets, third teachers. All gifts are equal in the sense that you should never put yourself down because you've only got the gift of administration or something. That's the point, we're the body and we all need each other. But what he's saying here is these are greater gifts and that they're more foundational. If you haven't got apostles in the church, I'll explain what they are in a minute, or if you haven't got prophets, you haven't got teachers of the word in the church, you're on shaky foundations. These are the foundations of the church and without those, you're on dodgy, dodgy ground. So all these gifts are vital. But seek, make sure you've got those in place before you seek any of the others is what he's saying. Okay? So, in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles. This is when I come back to Mike Betts. Apostles are church fathers. They are master builders. They are, they drive us on, on mission, they motivate us on mission, they get us mobilised as the local churches together, they help, c- help us keep on track with church planting, always looking forward, seeking momentum in the church, they give us objective health checks in the church, and which is why we've related to different people over the years, and currently we relate to Mike Betts, who lives up in East Anglia, who looks after East Anglia and, ch- and Kent, and New Frontiers churches, also Northern Europe as well. And we, as Little Old Beacon, are, get, are getting sucked into... Church plant in Lille. we may send some of you, we may not. Some of you might feel called there. But either way, we're able to join them in prayer, possibly financial support, emotional. These are our friends. In Lille, in the weald and other places, there's Helsinki going on. We get caught up in that. And one day, God willing, we'll be physically planting churches ourselves. Why not? But this is what Amen. But this is what apostles do, and we have Mike bets for that. What's the next on the list? Prophets. Here we go. I've already mentioned prof- prophecy briefly. But then he says further down, verse 29, are all prophets? All of us can and should prophesy. Some of us even have the specific gift of prophecy. Some of us are prophets. What does he mean by that? Because in, again, I've already mentioned it about he wants us all to sort of speak in tongues more, but in chapter 14 when he says, would that all of you would speak in tongues but even more to prophesy, even more than tongues. He wants us all to be doing it. But he actually lists the role of prophet as separate to the gift. He mentions it yet again. What does he mean? Well, Keith Hazel is a prophet who's part of Mike Betts' team. There's There's a video, if you want the link, I'll send you the link. It's fantastic, talking about winds of change, talking about what he believes God has revealed to him about what's coming in the church. It's very exciting, very, very encouraging. It's down to earth is practical, it's normal, it's biblical, it's brilliant. But in that, he says there are lots of people who prophesy, but not all are prophets. Prophets come with extra revelation and authority. They always need to be weighed by the body, anything they say. Of course they do. But the things that they utter are so precise. Ben Goodman, who was here when Ben Goodman spent the evening with us, the things they say, can we just. Even more authority. Does that make sense? There's, there's something, there's, there's a God anointing upon these people and the things they say, and we should always weigh up what they say, but the things they say, there's just something, that's God speaking directly to my heart, to us as a church as well, not just to individuals. But just to explain this biblically, in Acts chapter 21, Philip the evangelist, he has four daughters who prophesy. In the next verse, God sent a prophet down. See, it's there, it's there, it's quite blatant. It's, this isn't unbiblical at all. We should all seek prophecy, but some people specifically have the role of prophet that God uses to build up the church. Is there anything else on that list that we haven't spoken on before? There was. Uh, about halfway through verse 28. Uh, after healing, those able to help others. Some people are particularly adept at teamwork and particularly are reliable and they're just very inspiring and encouraging as they, as they aid you on a team or, or whatever but some people are just particularly gifted in that and then also straight after that those were gifts of administration I'm quite organised but some people are just amazing at it aren't they it's a particular gift moving on I don't want to make this a whole morning of lists but just to mention the others Paul mentions Romans chapter 12 he also mentions the gift of serving we should all serve shouldn't we we should all have servant hearts seeking after Jesus' example but also it is a specific gift that could include hospitality. Some people are just particularly good at that more than others. doesn't mean you don't open up your home because other people have got that gift. Does that make sense? A lot of these are normal gifts that the Holy Spirit particularly fuels in people. The gift of teaching in Romans chapter 12, it's not just the ability to know a lot of information, it's how to impart it in a very helpful, encouraging, inspiring, beneficial way that builds up the church. Teaching the word is is more than just an ability to say what it says. It's a gift. If you, when you explain scripture to people, you see a light bulb come on above their head, they go, got it, then maybe you've got that gift. Encouragement. Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Encouragement is a spiritual gift. Some people are particularly good at encouraging others but we should all seek it. Encouragement builds up the church in a big, big, big way and sometimes we don't see it enough. Quite often, even in the ambulance service, the amount of letters of complaint I've got compared to letters of thank you, it doesn't mean I've been really, really rubbish and did a nice thing once. It's just normally when you think of, oh, they really wound me up, I'm going to put pen to paper. But when you think, they were really good, Don't always put pen to paper, do we? It's the same principle. We in the church need to, if you think someone did really well, go out of your way to tell them, please. Because otherwise they may not know. Encouragement. He also mentions, Romans chapter 12, he mentions giving. Generosity is is expected of all of us. We're all meant to be generous. He's been generous to us. We need to be generous in return. But what he's talking about here is a particular gift, extreme generosity, perhaps voluntary poverty, perhaps even martyrdom. Some people have a particular gift for that. <coughs> Excuse me. He also mentions leading. We're all equal in the church, but some people are particularly gifted in leadership roles. We need leaders. We have teams with leaders. We don't have leaders with teams to look after our big leaders. We have teams which need to be led. Does that make, does that make, the difference? Does that make sense? Leadership is a gift. Also mercy. Caring for the poor and the broken It's expected of all of us again, but some people are particularly good at it, aren't they? They have a real... Ability to feed people, be that physically or emotionally, or whatever way, but feed people in a remarkable way that build them up and doesn't patronise them. Some people are just really, really good at that. Also, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about roles of evangelists and pastors. We're all called to preach the word. Some people are particularly good at it, see particular amazing fruit when they do preach the word. The amount of people that put their hands up goes, I'm following Jesus. Some people have a real gift for that. But also evangelists aren't just preachers of the word, evangelists equip us as the church to do it they're a foundational pillar of the church and if we haven't got them we need to seek them and pray for god to send them to us we need more and more of them apostles prophets evangelists also pastors and teachers as well so pastors gets mentioned john and david are our pastors they're our shepherds elders that word just those words all mean the same thing they look after us as their flock that god's given them to look after it's a responsibility but it's also a spiritual gift and they do it well There's two others that get mentioned. Paul mentions as gifts, is celibacy and marriage. They can be seasonal, it's all right, but some people are particularly good at being single and they use it to God's advantage. Other people don't want to stay there and don't want to get married. That's a good thing because marriage is a good thing to seek after as well. But they are mentioned as gifts. Don't despise what you've got right now. Use it to God's advantage if that changes. Marriage is a treasure, make the most of it. Don't despise the fact you're married and you can't get on and do everything you want to do. God's giving you a gift, use it. If you're single, God's given you a gift, use it. There you go. The list's not exhaustive, but it's representative. I hope you see how diverse the gifts are. But God willing, all united in the same spirit. couple of questions. <coughs> are the gifts permanent? Or are they temporary? They're often permanent. They're often per- often permanent. Yes, we can neglect them. Fanning into flame, we can neglect the gifts sometimes we need to stir them up sometimes they 're just for a season, sometimes they're just for a moment. Can they be removed? Paul says in romans eleven verse twenty nine he says the gifts and call of God are irrevocable. We need to be careful not to use that out of context there he 's not talking about this he 's talking about the status of the jewish people that 's what he 's speaking into there, so we need to be careful not to say. God's gifts are irrevocable, therefore I've got the gift of prophecy and I'll never take it away. We just need to be careful in as much as, if you neg- neglect the gift, if you quench the spirit, if you grieve the spirit, God is not hamstrung by his rules. Oh, Jack's really screwing it up, I gave him the gift of prophecy and he's really abusing it. I can't take it away because I said I wouldn't. God's bigger than that. We just need to be wise, we need to be sober. and We need to use our gifts for his glory and not for our own. Because gifts can be removed or diminished by God's sovereign choice. Are these gifts for today? It's a question we've got to ask and we need to address, just briefly. There are differing opinions. Some people believe some of these gifts are not for today. Prophecy and tongues, the particular ones that get mentioned. 1 Corinthians 13, the following chapter, Paul goes on to say, I've just given you this whole list, these examples of gifts. But if you haven't got love fueling all of those, if they're not truly empowered by the Holy Spirit because you're not letting it, and you're doing it for your glory or for your own agenda, <coughs> something is awry. Make sure love's at the middle of all of it as you serve each other and as you serve the world. But he refers at the beginning of that chapter, he talks about prophecy, tongues, knowledge, passing away when the perfect comes. There's been debate over the past two millennia about when the perfect comes, what that means. There's two main camps in this. When the perfect comes is when Scripture is is complete, or when the perfect comes is when Jesus returns. The people that say when the perfect comes is when Scripture is complete, actually when you look back, all evidence that's given on that is mostly historical. We've seen the gifts fade away. There's not a lot of biblical backup on this, and I can do this in depth later if, if you want another time, but... It's mainly a historical argument and unfortunately you're on shaky ground if you're just relying on what you see in history. But we at Beacon, we believe it is when the perfect comes is when Christ returns because two verses later he talks about seeing him face to face when Jesus returns, which is why we believe these gifts are still particularly relevant for today, for the building of the church, for the equipping of the church. That passage alone is not enough and I wouldn't use that to give you my answer. There's more to draw in. But when it's combined with other promises of what the Holy Spirit will fulfil, what the Holy Spirit will do, what the church will do during the, through, the, through the world and other commands to the church aren't given with implied limited lifespans, use this for the next 30 or 40 years because it will be gone. It's just a command. Just get on with it. I don't want to spend too much long on, on here. I don't want this to be a lecture, like I say, but But experience as well does back up. We do see the gifts. And when the gifts build up the church, I'm not worried that the devil's behind that and he's he's providing a mockery. When we see prophecy and tongues and words of knowledge and healing and miracles building up the church, glorifying Jesus Christ. Remember at the beginning of this chapter, Paul says, use your common sense. I suggest that backs it up as well. These are fueled by the Holy Spirit. We need to be wise. We need to be orderly which should still expect to seek the gifts and to keep on doing so. To not despise what we're given or to wish we were given something else. Think, oh, he hasn't given me that. Must think I'm rubbish. You still seek it, but don't despise what you've got right now. And to keep asking for more. Why? So that we might give more. Not because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Which is why in the middle of this chapter, which is the bit I'll skip through, Verse 12, he talks about this metaphor, this image of the body. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. He is seated at the Father's right hand now, and through his Holy Spirit he has given us, we are his body on this planet. We are his hands, his feet, his eyes, his ear, his mouth. So from verse 12, this is how Paul explains it. He's just given this whole diverse list of gifts. And then he goes on to say the body is a unit though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, whoever you are, we are all in the same body, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Diversity, you see. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, and it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body, would it? If the whole body were an an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? It's True. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He has arranged you. He has arranged me. He has arranged Jenny, Maureen. Betty, Kevin, Louis, has arranged us in the body exactly where he wants us to be. Don't despise where you are, what you've been given. We all have a part to play, a vital part to play in the body. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? Imagine if we had one giant belly button or something. It just doesn't work, does it? It's wrong in it. Sorry. <laughs> As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the head, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. ever stubbed your toe? Makes you limp. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. See, when some gifts are magnified over others, like the church in Corinth were doing with certain more sensational gifts like tongues and so on, it just destroys, body, uh, destroys unity in the body, doesn't it? Unity is built by realising we're all saved sinners, we're all dependent on him, and we're all dependent on each other. We're not dependent on one super pastor, that would be over-dependence and we will remain weak. We're not also dependent solely on ourselves, because that's complete independence and there's a danger of being outside of the church. We need each other we are corporately dependent on him and he has designed it so we are dependent on each other as well we are the body not bodies see the difference i need you and you need me sorry <laughs> these gifts glorify christ they build his church his body he is the giver remember when i spoke on stewardship last end of last year he's the giver and he wants us to pass it on because we've been given so much. And it's the same, not just with what he's given us in the world, what he's given us in terms of money, what he's given us in time. He's also given us in gifts. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. He gave that we might be gathered into his master plan for this world. Firstly in salvation, saving us by nailing our sins to the cross. But also in a work, in a mission he has for us on this planet as well. And in building his church He is the supreme example of what I mentioned before, the invisible breaking into the visible, isn't he? Ultimate example of that. He burst into time and space as a little baby. He broke through our existing understanding of what it means to be alive. He broke into that. He was an existing God, never been created, eternal, and he arrived as a tiny child in biological form, at the same time upholding the universe. Invisible breaking into the visible. His kingdom was spearheaded by his ministry. Our sin was nailed to his cross in his body. He represented us before the Father so we don't have to. He bore the wrath of God so we don't have to. He became a curse so we don't have to. Then he ascended, after raising to life again, he ascended in victory... To the champions podium, if you like. We've got the Olympics coming up this year. He won that race for us. It's not about us running the race, because it's about how hard we try. The fact is, he's run the race for us. He's won it for us. He's ascended to that champions podium, standing on that number one at the father's side. Done it. It's over. Finished. I've done it for you. Stop striving. It's the invisible breaking into the visible. And he ascended so he could give us his Holy Spirit so we can be his body, his hands, his feet, his ears, his eyes, his mouth, here on this world. All power by his Holy Spirit. He is the invisible breaking into the visible. We are the invisible breaking into the visible. But these supernatural or natural gifts, they are all empowered in such a way that they are the invisible breaking in to the visible in this world. We're called to continue that work. Christian means little Christ. You are a little Jesus. We are his body here on this planet. There is a party happening on this earth. It has been for 2,000 years ago. We are invited in, we've been called in and he wants us to share that with the people around us. To build each other up and to draw others in. See, the gifts glorify him, not us. They proclaim him as the answer. To see souls saved, to see the sick healed, to do all things well, to see hearts touched, to see the word preached, to see resources released in miraculous ways. We've been having money trouble again. What's happened? More money landed in our lap. Miracles happen. That's just this week. Miracles happen. The poor helped. The broken made whole. Thank God that list of gifts is so diverse because it touches every aspect of life but all united in the same Holy Spirit. It's not about doing all this in our strength. We could try and do church in our own strength, couldn't we? would not get very far. We could do things quite well, I suppose. We could do some nice music and speak a touching word and how rubbish X Factor is or Whatever. But we wouldn't get anywhere. We wouldn't grow as individuals or as a body. We wouldn't see the miraculous happen. We'd be hamstrung, wouldn't we? But it's by His Holy Spirit. He's building, he is building His church. He didn't say He might do. I will build my church. It's happening now. How? By His Holy Spirit. And there is perfect evidence of how he does that. These gifts are freely available and I want more. You're allowed, in this respect, you're allowed to be greedy. Seek more. If you don't prophesy, seek that gift. We can help you if you don't know how to. If you don't speak in tongues, seek the gift. If you do, but you want to do it more, seek it more. If you want to be better at administration, if you want to, be, if you want to see more healings in your life when you pray for people, seek it more. It's time to fan into flame what God's given us. I need to fan into flame what God's given me. That's a choice on my behalf. He could do it just by touching me. But he's waiting for me to ask for it. There's a reason for that. He wants us to grow, to mature. If you want more, come and find me. We're happy to pray for you. But we are making space next Sunday. Put your hand up. He's going to be there next Sunday. It's a decision decide to be there if possible if you're still unsure some of these gifts aren't for today I'm happy to chat with you that's not a problem but please be sure of this that your reason for holding back from gifts or your reason for feeling the gifts some of these gifts aren't for today please be sure that's not through fear scared of supernatural scared of things that aren't normal scared of misuse and abuse Please don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. that's my phrase, but you know what I mean by that. Please be sure of your reasons why you feel that. Or please be sure it's not just secular influence from the world. That kind of thing doesn't happen because science has proved it wrong. There must be another reason why these things happen. Please speak to me if that's the case. If you want to know more about who Christ is, who he means to you, and who you mean to him, please speak to me. I'd love to talk. We are not his bodies we are his body representing diversity and unity at the same time all these gifts are expected to be evident amongst us we are not all as individuals expected to be able to do all these things see the difference but all of us participating together are you letting him use you it's a question we should always ask isn't it not just in church but also out there it's the invisible breaking out and I want to see more of it. There are so many people out there that don't know him in Herne Bay, let alone anywhere else. We have a part to play in that. And I want to see more of the Holy Spirit breaking out. Signs and wonders don't save people. The signs and wonders endorse the word we preach. So let's see more of it. Let's seek after it. In everyday normal life, not just on Sunday mornings, not just on a special Sunday evening. 24-7. Aisle 7 of Sainsbury's, someone falls over, pray for them. Scary, isn't it? It's exciting when it happens. I know I've shared stories before of just opportunities I've taken, but there's so many more of other opportunities I haven't taken and wished I had in regret later. That's good, I'm learning from that. I know what it's like, I know how scary it is. But in doing so, don't belittle the other gifts as well. Gifts of administration and gifts of helping and serving as well. They're just as vital and they all build the church. Gifts of encouragement. Encourage each other. Don't forget to. I'm just going to pray. If you want to speak about anything, please grab me. We just explained the questions for cell groups this week, which will help take this a little bit further. Do you know what gifts you have? How do you know? Something to ask, isn't it? What was your initial response to tongues and prophecies when you first witnessed or heard about them? What, if at all, changed for you? It helped people who don't know, didn't it? But also, I'm going to ask you to read through again the beginning of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians about love being at the core of everything. How can we ensure these gifts are conducted with the right attitude? What do you think we should do if we find otherwise within the body? We need to be accountable to each other as well. Let's be deliberate. Let's be determined. Let's go out of our way to seek more of the Holy Spirit not just here on Sunday mornings in a special time slot, but in the world at large, in the rest of the week as well. The invisible breaking out into the invisible. Who wants to see more of it? Amen. Let's just pray. Lord, you are the living God who is still at work in the world you created right now. You're at work in my life. You're at work in the lives of the people around me and the people I've yet to meet. You are drawing more people to Beacon. Test moves over the past few weeks, people emailing us, it's amazing. Lord, you're doing something here, but we don't want to take that for granted. We don't want to despise that. We don't want to rest down our laurels or get lazy. We want to keep seeking more. Lord, help us fan into flames the gifts you've put in each of us, the gifts you put in us as Beacon Church. Lord, give us more. Stir it up. Our name, Beacon, let that shine brighter and brighter in this town. Not for Beacon's glory, but for your glory. Lord, pour your Holy Spirit upon us as your people. Fan into flame this beacon in Herne Bay. For your glory, may souls be saved, may your church be added to and built up and making an impact beyond this town. Lord, for your glory alone, surely. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 <coughs> Thank you, guys. Find me if you want me. If not, teas and coffees are elsewhere. Thank you, everyone.